Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. I'm really excited about the Monday broadcast because I'm talking about something today that impacts every human being. So I'm going to ask you a question. Are humans condemned? I want to talk about that today as we look at Romans chapter 8. And Romans chapter 8 is a chapter in the Bible that is a very popular chapter on one hand. As a matter of fact, many have said that if they had no other chapter in the Bible, they would like to have Romans chapter 8. Because it talks about the fact that we are not condemned. There are no condemnation, but there's a clause. That is only those who are in Christ Jesus. Beauty and the Beast is a Walt Disney animated movie. And it tells the story of a beautiful French girl whose name is Belle. She finds the love of a beast, and he was a prince a long time ago, but he got condemned. He got condemned to a life of shame, a life of ugliness, because he could not love. Well, one night, Belle's father, Maurice, gets lost in the forest and is thrown from his horse. When the horse returns without Maurice the next day, Belle sets off to find him. She follows her father's horse to this imposing castle that is set deep within the forest. The castle looms over Belle. Its twisted, hulking form is inspiring her with fear. When she finds her father's hat lying outside of the gate, she cautiously enters, despite her fear. Well, once inside, a talking candlestick leads Belle to a dungeon, where she finds her father huddled and very sick, cold and alone in a cell. Maurice, having seen the monstrous beast who put him there, pleads with Belle to leave. Belle refuses and tries to freedom. All of a sudden, a booming voice growls from the darkness. What are you doing here? The beast challenges Belle from the shadows. Belle learns that her father is being held for trespassing and that there is no escape from the punishment for his offense. As her father gasps and wheezes, Belle offers, Take me instead. The beast is momentarily startled and asks, You would take his place? If I did, would you let him go? Belle bargains. Yes, but you must promise to stay here forever, answers the beast. You have my word. Bell vows. Done. Though puzzled by her sacrifice, the beast makes the trade and frees Bell's father. Well, today I want to talk about this subject of condemnation and how are we able to be set free. Romans 8 says, There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So today I want to look at the subject of who is condemned. I will be looking at several passages to help us to gain some insight on this subject of condemnation. In John chapter 3, verse number 18, it says, Whoever believes in him, that's Christ, is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. You know that word condemned. It is found in the Bible numerous times. I found it nine times in the Old Testament. I found it 27 times in the New Testament. Jesus himself talked about being condemned 11 times. The psalmist said this, The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. 
Over and over again throughout Scripture, we discover that those who are not condemned are always those who are in Christ. In Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. As a matter of fact, when Jesus encounters that woman at the well, you remember the story. I'm sure you know it very well. They were accusing her of adultery. All the elders of the city had picked up stones, and they were ready to hurl them at this lady. But Jesus said, He who is without sin cast a first stone. In other words, he who is not condemned, anybody here who is free of guilt, who is innocent, that person can throw the first stone. One by one, they dropped their stones and walked away. And Jesus said to the woman at the well, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. Uh, So we discover something about condemnation. Jesus said that our words will condemn us, and he was very clear with that uh, when he says in the book of Matthew, chapter 12, he says, but I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on that day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken, for by your words you'll be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. So the words that we speak will either acquit us, set us free, or they will condemn us. You know, when we think about that, every idle word, says Jesus, every empty word that we have spoken, we've got to give an account of. Here we discover that this woman at the well had very little to say. Jesus says, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. What happened to that woman? She was in Christ. And when she was in Christ, she was no longer condemned. You know, there's something else about condemnation as we look at this daunting subject today. Our birth condemns us. That's right. I was talking to a lady yesterday. She had called me. One of our members moved uh, down to South Carolina several years ago, and she had a Bible question. And she wanted to know, are we born in sin or are we sinners because we commit sinful acts? And I said to her, yes, we are born in sin, but we also commit sinful acts. As a matter of fact, we commit sinful acts because we have a sinful nature. Jesus said this, Matthew chapter 23, he said, go ahead. And complete what your ancestors started. Jesus is gathered around. These Pharisees are coming against Jesus, and they are wanting to crucify him. And Jesus says to him, you know what you're doing? You're following through what you were born to follow through to do. You are following your ancestors. Verse 33, he says, you snakes, you brutal vipers. How are you going to escape being condemned to hell? Therefore, I'm sending you prophets and sages and teachers, and some of them uh, you killed and you crucified them, others you flogged in your synagogues, and you pursued them from town to town. And Jesus says you are condemned because you have a sinful nature, and you follow through that nature of your forefathers, of the ones who conceived you. You see, we are condemned because our words condemn us. We are condemned because we are born in sin. So the big question is, how can I be set free from condemnation? Well, there's a lot of good verses that can help us understand this subject and help us to walk around guilt-free without condemnation. 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul says, For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. Now, Paul's talking about what Christ has done for us. For our sake, God made his son to be sin for us who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, Jesus took our condemnation. Let me look at another New Testament passage that I think will give us a lot of light on this subject. 
I want to look at Mark chapter 14, verses 63 to 65. And in this passage, we see that Jesus is getting toward the end of his ministry. He is being brought before a court. Uh, As a matter of fact, it's a kangaroo court. It's actually an illegal meeting of this court. Jesus is there. The high priests are bringing accusation against him. They are accusing him of blasphemy. We pick up the story in verse number 63, Mark chapter 14. The high priest tore his clothes. And the high priest says, do we need any more witnesses? He's like, this is an open and shut case. You've heard the case. This man is guilty of blasphemy. He claims to be God. What do you think? And it says they all condemned him, all condemned Jesus, as worthy of death. Then some began to spit on him. They blindfolded him. They struck him with their fist and they said, prophesy. And the guards took him and they beat him. Here we see Jesus has been condemned without a shred of evidence of blasphemy. Now, now Jesus was a good teacher. He was a good prophet. He was a good man, but he's much more than all that. He is God and he's claiming to be God. Now, it would be blasphemous if he was not God, but he is God. So he was speaking the truth to them. You know, we often say that hurt people hurt people, and that is so true. But I discovered something else about people. Condemned people also condemn others. Here, these high priests, and here these Pharisees were gathered around, and they are trying to condemn Jesus. They're condemning him as worthy of death because he claims to be God. Why are they condemning him? They're condemning him because they are condemned. They're spitting on him. They're uh, beating him with their fists. And they're saying, hey, go ahead and make a prophecy. Tell me who hit you. And they blindfold him and smack him in the face. Now, Jesus could have told them exactly who had hit him. But he wouldn't get down on their level because he wasn't condemned. He took on condemnation. He took on sin, but he was without sin. He was without condemnation. So here's the major question today. What happens to us when we are set free? We're going to look at this subject today and tomorrow, but what happens when we are set free? We're looking at Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. Number one, this is what happens when we're set free. Let me read the text, and then I'll tell you what happens, okay? Verse number one, therefore. Now, somebody told me many years ago, whenever you see a therefore, you better see why it's therefore. And Paul is now in Romans chapter 8 kind of saying, as a result of chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7 of the book of Romans, we have a conclusion. Here is the conclusion of the matter. If you have accepted the free gift of salvation, if Jesus is your Savior, if Jesus is your Lord, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, if I'm not condemned, how can I be unkind? If I'm not condemned, how can I ever be kind if I am condemned? This condemnation changes the trajectory of our lives. I can tell a person who has been set free from God's condemnation. They're different. Their personality is different. Their spirit is different. Their attitude is different. You see, when I'm condemned, I'm going to be a a very unkind person. But when I've been set free from my condemnation, I can't help myself but be kind. When I'm in Christ, I will pick up the attributes of Christ. Let's continue to read and see what else Paul has to say. Verse number two, Paul says, 
Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set me free. Okay, so there's a law that condemns us, right? So if you're cruising down the highway, and all of a sudden you look up in your rearview mirror and you see these blue lights, you realize, "Uh uh-oh, I have been speeding. And so you get pulled over, and the officer will say, "Uh, well, sir, uh, I wanted to let you know I'm pulling you over because you were speeding, and the posted speed limit is 55, and you were going 68, okay? And you realize, okay, I I was going over the speed limit. The law has condemned me. But here Jesus said that the law of the Spirit gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. In other words, Jesus has paid that penalty to satisfy the law. I'm set free from the law because the penalty has been paid. Look at verse number three. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his son in likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, let me give you a little background of this particular passage of Scripture. We could say that sin killed Jesus. Now, because sin killed Jesus, those who have put their faith and trust in Christ are no longer under any condemnation, and because we are set free from the guilt and set free from the penalty of sin, we should not team up with what killed Jesus. Maybe a better way to illustrate it is like this. Let's say somebody comes and they murder me, and a person just comes in and and he takes my life, and he kills me. Now, can you imagine how my family would feel? I have been killed by somebody. But imagine that my wife decided that she was going to marry the one who murdered me, and she was going to marry him because she's been freed from the law and she's no longer legally married to me because I've died, but she's going to team up and marry the person who killed me. You would say, that is ludicrous. Why in the world would she do that? Why would she marry somebody who took your life? You know, whenever we sin, we team up with what killed Jesus. We are dead in our trespasses and sins, but Christ has given us new life. You see, the Bible speaks so much of condemnation because of the sin that permeates all of mankind. Isaiah 59 says, Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Your sins have hidden his praise from you, so he does not hear. Do you get the depth of what Isaiah is saying? Isaiah is saying because of the sin that is in our lives, We've been separated from God. There's this great chasm between us and God, and our sins have caused God to not hear our prayers. And it's not that he cannot audibly hear them. It's that he chooses not to listen. You know, the Bible, that word condemnation is synonymous with a lot of really negative words, right? Words that are, are in our culture very offensive. You know, if you die without Christ, you will face him in judgment. You will be facing damnation. Uh, you'll be facing punishment, destruction. There'll be a verdict placed upon your life, and it'll be a guilty verdict, and you will be condemned. You see, in its strongest sense, condemnation means the banishing of one to hell. All those disobedient to the will of God, all those who deny Him. Now listen, the gospel is the good news. It will set you free. 
But if you've not been set free, if you've not put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, your future is very bleak. In our Monday night small group, we were talking about how the believers never have to face hell because Jesus took our hell for us. And I told our group on Monday night, I said, you know, if you're a bona fide, born-again believer in Jesus Christ and you have put your faith and trust in him, the only hell you'll ever experience is right here on this earth. And I says, if you're not born again, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the only heaven you're ever going to experience is right here on earth. It's not going to get better for you. It's going to get much worse. And if you're struggling today as a believer and you're feeling like all of the culture is against us and you're feeling like we're on the losing side, I want you to know victory is ours because we will never face another hell again. It gets better for us. Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I can't wait until I meet my Lord and Savior face to face. But until that time, I'm told to occupy. Occupy until the Lord comes. Sometimes we miss the significance of the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. But I want you to know, God has not left us as orphans. You know, the influential London Times newspaper was one of Abraham Lincoln's fiercest enemies in Europe during the Civil War here in the United States. And when Abraham Lincoln had announced the Emancipation Proclamation, in essence, setting free the slaves, you know, the London Times paper actually condemned him. That's right. They said that Abraham Lincoln was trying to be a sort of moral American pope, destined to be Lincoln the last. They said he would never go down in history. We're never going to remember who he is. And he's uh, trying to be a pope instead of a president. But, you know, three years later, After Abraham Lincoln's assassination, the paper recognized his greatness, and this is how they eulogized him. Abraham Lincoln was as little a tyrant as any man who ever lived. Oh, he could have been a tyrant if he pleased, but he never uttered so much as an ill-natured speech. You know, in the Christian life, there will be times when we must take a very unpopular stand, maybe at work or at school or even sometimes at church and stubbornly stick to our values, our principles. We will be called all matters of names, but if we're in God's will, we will be vindicated. Certainly, if not this life, in the life to come. You see, we have been set free. We are different. We are no longer a slave to our flesh. We are no longer condemned. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And I don't miss that phrase, in Christ Jesus. Jesus and me, me in Christ. He is the hope of glory. He has set me free. I am a new creation in Christ. I have been redeemed. I am no longer condemned. Well, you know, something else happens to us. Not only do we have a new flesh, we also have a new mind. And it's a mind that's not confused. Well, we looked at verses 1 through 4. Let's look at Romans 8, 5 through 8. Those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's love, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of flesh cannot please God. Now, Paul is saying a mouthful in this one little paragraph. 
if we're controlled by the flesh, we'll be conformed to death, and I can't please God. Now, I want you to know this is kind of a a long sentence that Paul has put together in here, and I want you to know that uh, we as Americans have a very short attention span, and our minds sometimes get confused because we don't have a disciplined mind. But I want you to know the Lord can make a difference in your life when you're truly born again. Now, when I spoke this message at my church, I put up on the, on the screen a picture of a goldfish. And I says, you are a goldfish brain, or you can have a glorified mind. And I want you to join me tomorrow as I finish up and give you the story of the goldfish brain versus a glorified mind. So join me tomorrow. And I want to encourage you today, if you could read Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, and then we'll pick it up in the broadcast tomorrow. That way you'd be right in sync with where we're going on the broadcast today. In the few minutes that I have remaining on the broadcast today, I really want to encourage you with something that I think will help you, okay? There are three ways that you can be led by the Spirit of God. And I want to spend the last few minutes talking about how can I be led by the Spirit of God? Now, when you think about being led by the Spirit of God, the proof of my salvation is revealed by three things. Number one, who leads me? Number two, what do I habitually do? And then number three, what family do I belong to? Here's number one. Am I continuously led by the Spirit? This is when a person places their faith in Christ. They are forgiven of their sins, yet their sin nature is not completely eradicated. Our sin nature will not be totally eradicated until after we are with Christ in heaven. Since we continue to struggle with our sinful flesh throughout the entirety of our earthly lives, we are constantly being tempted by our sinful nature. Our sinful flesh wants us to follow it rather than being led by the Spirit. Listen, when we choose to be led by the Holy Spirit, then we're not walking according to flesh. Our sinful lust and the Holy Spirit are both constantly in conflict inside of us. Listen, if I'm not led by the Spirit, I'm not a child of God. But if I'm led by the Spirit, I am a child of God. Here's the second thing. Not only am I continuously led by the Holy Spirit, but I am constantly living a life of righteousness. Now, Paul talks about this, and he says that this is a key understanding of what it means to be justified. Did you know when you were born again, you were imputed with righteousness? Now, that's a big theological term, and it basically means that we were declared righteous, and we got a a new way of living in righteousness. You see, when Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected from the dead, the victory he achieved over sin and death was imparted to all those who believe, all who put their faith in his name, and all who receive him as Lord and Savior. Paul says that sin will no longer have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but you're under grace. John carries on this theme by saying, you know, if you keep making it a practice to sin, you're born of the devil. The devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Listen, you can be set free. You can be set free when you understand that God is leading you by his Holy Spirit when you can understand that I can constantly live a life of righteousness. And then number three, I am connected. I'm connected with the family of God. Romans 12 tells us that we're to love one another 
with brotherly affection, we're to outdo one another in showing honor. Hebrews 13 says, let brotherly love continue. 1 John 3, 14 says, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. Everyone who knows the will of God and is a disciple of God will love one another. John 13, 35. I found dozens of verses regarding the believer's duty to be connected with others. Listen, a church family helps me focus on God. A church family helps me face life's problems, and a church family helps me fortify my faith. So I would encourage you. Listen, it's Monday. You know, I have a small group that I lead every Monday night. You're welcome to join me any Monday night. I'm at Hickory Ridge Community Church at 6.30. We have a meal together. We have a Bible study together. When I'm recording this broadcast, we're going through the book of Revelation. I'd love to have you join me Monday night, 6.30, Hickory Ridge Community Church. If you need more information, shoot me a text, okay? 252-267-2365. 252-267-2365. Shoot me a text if you want to join me for a Bible study every Monday night at Hickory Ridge Community Church. Love to have you join me, okay? Well, God bless you. Thank you so much for listening. Join me for part two on dealing with the question, Am I Condemned? If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.